invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16 as we meditate on the first eight verses uh, this morning as we celebrate Easter and Christ is risen indeed. So death was conquered by death that life might reign forever. Tears of sorrow are traded in for tears of joy. The tomb was turned into a womb, giving birth to a new creation. The Word of God speaks, and today we respond in kind. As Christians throughout the world today declare He is risen, He is risen indeed. Let us do likewise even now. So people of God, respond with me. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. O oh God, who for our redemption gave your only begotten Son to the death of the cross and by his glorious resurrection delivered us from the power of our enemy. Grant us, so did I, daily to sin, that we may evermore live with him in the joy of his resurrection. Speak now to us in your blessed word that we might be strengthened in the joy for a life of service in the hope of your resurrection life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last verse of our passage reads this way, verse 8. They went out, fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Put yourself in that position. It's an utterly unbelievable place, fairly unimaginable scene, yet the emotions experienced by the women at the tomb are so familiar to us. First arriving on this scene, they ask one another, who will roll away the stone? Who, who will roll away the stone? Or if we get a little background to that picture of the question, they might be asking questions like this, not just who will roll away the stone, but who will undo death's unsanctified division of body and soul? Who will reverse the curse of sin that returns mankind to dust? Who will quench the insatiable thirst of death and the grave? From the women's, women's lips there, through the hearts of all humanity, the question reverberates at the tomb and in the face of death. Who will roll away the stone? Uh, Mumford and Sons is, a, is a, a folk rock band, and they sing, Roll away your stone and I'll roll away mine. And together we can see what we can find. They're using the image of a rolling the stone away in a different way here. And soon after they invite one another to roll away our stones, they, ask, they, they say this, I'm afraid of what I'll discover inside. Now, why would there be fear in rolling away the stone of the heart here? It's because, the, the, well, death has touched the soul. In fact, death has touched every fiber of creation. No one escapes its grip. No one avoids its decay. An unmovable stone seals the tomb. Death continues to reach and to overreach its cursed claws, even this past year with pandemic destruction and human life discarded because of color or they're just not old enough. Leaders are divided by political aisles, not to mention just the normal joint pain, hair loss, sick kids. Who... Who will roll away the stone? Verses 1 and 2 of our passage. 
When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Now, Christianity may not answer every single question that we ask, and nor will following Jesus alleviate our suffering, let alone our own failures and mistakes. Darkness, dark nights of the soul will still weigh heavy upon us, but here, at the most hopeless of places at the tomb, light suddenly breaks through. A new day dawns as the sun rises, but now the light of the sun shines in a dark world that is now illumined by the risen sun. And we have a few heroes in our story this morning, these women who, who they go to attend death's dirty chores. They go to anoint a body void of soul and life, Mary's own son. And so very early, drowsiness dripping from their eyes, they approach the chamber of death and they're barred by a movable stone. Mark tells us that the Sabbath has just passed, which means that a new week has begun. As creation was being undone throughout Jesus' week of passion, as he ascends the cross, we see creation trembling. A decreation is happening. So that when Jesus ascends the cross, creation is completely undone. But what happens in the sunrise of this day, the sunrise ignites the first week of the new creation, which means that the tomb has now become the womb. Mary's son is now the firstborn of the dead. And from his, his pierced side, much like the rib taken from Adam's side, a new bride is formed, a new Eve. And this bride will continue to crush the head of the serpent. But all this seems an impossibility before this closed tomb. Because death and the tomb, they always win. Verse 4 gives us this, though. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. The stone has been rolled away. So the question from verse 3, who will roll away the stone? It could almost be seen as a form of prayer that was answered as in verse 4 the stone is rolled away by some unknown to them, unimagined power. So look, the, the, the Christian doctrine of, of the resurrection, it does not always bring comfort at the tomb, as we might hope it would. Look here, even at these women. The verse 8, even when they hear of the resurrection, they, they still tremble. The last word of our passage is afraid. Though they have seen the empty tomb, mystery remains, and sorrow for its time is, is left unhealed. They still, see, they still miss the one that they long to see. The truth of resurrection cannot replace a familiar voice or smell of a person, the, the laughter that they used to hear or the touch of a hand. And so the women have to continue their journey of faith. As they take their next step, verse 5, entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. 
And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before them to you at Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. These women enter a holy place. The way that the gospel accounts describe it, it reminds us of the holiest place in the temple. Can you see the tomb here as the most holy place? Eyes of sight will get these women only so far. Eyes of faith must engage. Picture the women entering God's most holy place where only priests had tread before. These women fearfully approach the space that had contained God's very word. The manna or the bread of life was contained there within the priest's budded staff of, of just rule and wisdom. See, other gospel, other gospel accounts of the tomb have two angels seated at either side, as if it pictures for us the, the, the Ark of the Covenant with the two cherubim seated upon the top of the mercy seat. And the women are astonished because, because what? The holy place is now empty. The Ark of the Covenant is now stripped bare. And, and the cherubim send the women not into the holy place, but out into the world. So the implication of the scene, if we see the tomb as, as a holy place, we see that the tomb has become the most holy place, but it's left desolate because the true temple, the holy of holies, is raised. And he goes out into the nations. See, no temple wall no temple furniture or fixtures could contain him any more than stone walls of a stone tomb. The Christian doctrine of the resurrection from the dead propels the living out, proclaiming to the world, dying in sin, that one has conquered death and now life reigns forevermore. From this very early Easter morning until the risen Christ returns, we, his people, are raised in Christ, to declare Christ among the nations. We declare Him crucified, risen, and now reigning. I'm not sure how comforting the angel's words would be when he says, do not be alarmed. Would that comfort you? Don't be alarmed. Oh, okay. That sounds good. No problem. Don't be alarmed. It would require great faith to step into that place. The fact that these women are given work tends to assuage their fear. It gives opportunity for faith to work. And isn't that often how work works? Give us a task in our fear. Faith is expressed in the first steps of those women from the tomb. And see, faith does not mean that we will not fear. These women trembled, understandably, uncertain of the implications of what this empty tomb would mean. What is it that Jesus is risen that he would go before them to Galilee, that they would see him when all they see is an empty tomb at this point. Oh, we will still fear, and so we must walk in faith. See with the women, verse 9 and following, they, they take steps. Verse 9, now early he, when he rose on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and, that, and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Disciples are well known to be slow on the uptake, aren't they? Slow to believe. But eventually they catch on. 
Jesus too appears to them as we read in 1 Corinthians earlier. They behold the risen Jesus with their own eyes and touch him with their own hands, dine with him, so that soon Peter will preach to the nation saying, this Jesus God raised up, he made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Paul would write of the resurrection. He says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then John sees and he speaks what he sees saying, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, a lamb standing as though it had been slain, worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The hope for the church is that the lamb who was slain is now the risen lion of Judah to rule as king over all of creation. In fact, the resurrection is so central to the teaching of Jesus in Christianity that Paul can write later on, he says, If there is no resurrection of the dead... If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But who could understand at the tomb? Who could believe? Who could fathom what this would mean for Jesus, what it would mean for his people, for the future, for humanity, for eternity? Who indeed will roll away the stone? See, the silent, gaping mouth of death's dark tomb, it was sealed by stone immovable. The tomb was always sealed. It was the descent that none could ascend. It was the mouth who none could open. The curse which none could undo. But that Easter morning, the tomb becomes womb. Descent into death becomes ascent into life and resurrection life, a more glorious life. I mean, death is so isolating. It's a path we fear traveling alone and none can go for us. And life can have similar fears and trepidations to live, can be fearful. But confidence in resurrection life is found in the angel's words of verse 7. The angel said, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. There's encouragement here that Jesus goes before them, that there's work still to be done, there's tasks at hand. Go, obey still. He is going before you. Follow him still. There's comfort in resurrection life that we will be reunited with those we love. Chief amongst them is to see, of course, Christ face to face in communion with Jesus forever. For these women and, and the disciples... There was this promise that when you go to Galilee, you'll see him raised from the dead. You'll eat again. You'll, you'll hear his laughter again. You'll hear his voice. You'll feel the touch of his hand once again. That would be a little taste of heaven. And though we're not there yet. And though we are not there yet. But the fact that Jesus goes before them to Galilee strengthens their resolve to work further for the kingdom to advance throughout the world. They're inspired by resurrection life. The angel commissions them very simply, just go and tell. And that began the church's work, which Jesus spells out in verses 15 and 16 of our passage. He says, go into all the world, says Jesus, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. For there in Galilee... 
before Jesus ascends, he promises power in the Spirit, who will then transform hearts and minds. The people are then commissioned to make disciples of all nations, knowing this, that Jesus goes before them, now in his Spirit. And we, too, are not left to our own devices, but we serve Christ, the risen Christ, in the power of his Spirit. We seek to know nothing except Christ and him crucified, so that the story of these women and the story of these disciples becomes our story, and Jesus goes before, and therefore we preach Christ in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus has to go before, because following Jesus is more than declarative, but it's, it's a practiced life. Practicing resurrection life, lived out moment by moment. Where the stone is being rolled back, it means that resurrection life presses into our moment by moment, our daily work, so that students can give themselves fully to their studies, investing in a holy curiosity, exploring the complexity and the simplicity of God's beautiful creation given as a gift to humanity and the overflow of his love as creator God. To study is to worship at the feet of a creator king. And we who have co-workers, we take each seriously because each bears the image of an infinite God. And to see them raised in resurrection life, if we could see them with our eyes today, it would be either an eternal horror of infinite rebellion or an unending joy of infinite glory. And we rub shoulders with them week after week, day after day, as we each bear the infinite weight of glory in the image of Christ. As we care for our creation, tending to the needs of our place, that's work that continues on into the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. See, heaven converges with earth as Jesus has ascended the cross. He hung there, dying. But now raised from the, tomb, from the tomb, earth converges with heaven. For Jesus is not only raised from the dead, but he ascends to heaven. And then he goes before us as the first fruits of resurrection life. And he promises to bring his people, his children, to the place where he has gone. And in fact, he's even given us his spirit as a pledge, as a first fruits. He's washed us in his baptismal waters. He feeds us at his table where he says, week in, week out, you are mine. You are my beloved, and I am yours. I will be your God, and you will be my people. You have been bought with a price, and you are mine. Only one could ever roll away the stone. So that in his death, death has now died. And whoever would follow Jesus now must find a share in his death. For only in dying with him, ever denying ourselves and following him, only there do we rise daily in newness of life in him. Because Christ is risen from the grave, we now have hope that we too can rise, that we can rise to stand free in the forgiveness he won at the cross, that we can rise to stand eager to serve with a holy life and holy lips. We are free to rise, willing to, either, to tell others of Jesus, of his death and his resurrection, to stand grateful, to praise him, our risen king. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. 
The stone is rolled away once and forever. Praise the Lord. Christ is risen from the dead. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word and so thankful that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, who is the first fruits of resurrection life. And we pray that you would give us this life, we would partake of it, and that we would share this life with those around us. Feed us, your people, that we might know your strength, your joy, and your rest this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.